Hey, good morning. We're so glad that you're here today and uh, to be a part of God's family. Can you believe, I don't know if you know this or not, if you didn't come from a, a traditional church background, the season of Advent, uh, which is from this Latin, Latin word that comes from the root meaning longing or, or waiting or coming as we're waiting for the Messiah to come. We're in week two of Advent, if you can believe it or not, week two of four. And so don't blink, it's almost Christmas. And that's very exciting. It's an exciting time of year to be the church as we anticipate the arrival of Jesus Christ our King. And uh, speaking of Advent, last week you got to hear uh, from Pastor Ben all about waiting and watching and this idea of being alert. And uh, I, I'll tell you, um, some of you maybe don't care, some of you do care. You may have been wondering, so John, where were you at last Sunday morning? I just slept in. Um, that's a joke. I really didn't sleep. Some of you really believe that. No, I didn't sleep in. Um, no, something much better than that. Um, once in a while, I get the opportunity to speak out at our uh, West Des Moines campus and to go out there and to preach and to brag about you, which I do when I go out there and to tell everybody what an incredible church uh, that we have here and what God is doing uh, in us and through us because um, it's, it's great to go do that and I love go doing, doing that, but what I told the folks this morning and what I'll tell you it's always good to come home. It's always good to come home to your family, to our living room here. Because we know that family and being home is not dependent on a building. Because when you're with family, you're home. When you're with those that you love, when you're with your community, you're home. And it doesn't matter what kind of a building you have. It doesn't matter where that building happens to be. Being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of a family is about having a group of people to come to that know you and that love you. And I believe that that's what God has given us here. And so it's always good to come back and to be able to be here with you. I'm so thankful for this church this time of year. Now, I know that Thanksgiving was last weekend, but I was not able to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. So if you can, this is kind of an all play. It's an audience participation thing here. Um, you should be really good at this and have a lot of practice. What I want you to do is just to turn to a couple people around you, and I want you to tell them one thing, which with much gusto and excitement as you have, as much thankfulness in your heart that you have, tell them one thing that you are thankful for this year, this time of year. Ready? Go. My, you're a chatty bunch here this morning. Um, so, believe it or not, um, hey, stop being so friendly. My word. Um, so, believe it or not, I asked this same question to the West Des Moines crowd last week, and they were just yakking at each other, and then, like, people that were sitting next to each other, like, started, like, kissing and hugging and, and all this mushy-gushy. I'm like, I hope that's your spouse, or you're just really thankful this, this season. I don't know, but thank you for observing proper boundaries here uh, at church. I appreciate that. Um, you know what? It's good for us to say thanks. It's good for us to say thanks. It's good for us to be grateful people. In fact, all throughout Scripture, there's references, even commands for us to give thanks, to be thankful people, to have gratitude in our hearts, almost as if God knows it's good for us. Almost as if God knows it changes us, it transforms us. It's not just about going through the motions and being thankful. It's about slowing down long enough to say thanks and slowing down long enough to consider what are those things that are most important in this life? What are those things that truly matter? What are those things that money can't buy? Which is at the very heart of our scripture 
today when, in Luke 12, when Jesus comes and he summarizes this passage of Scripture and he says, seek first. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things, all these other things that you run after that you think are important, all these other things will be added to you. In other words, I think that Jesus is asking us this morning, this Advent season, what's on your list? What's on your list this year? And make sure that it's a kingdom list. Make sure that it aligns, your list aligns with a kingdom-centered life. And if you do that, Jesus says, you're not going to miss out. You don't have to worry about missing out in this life. You're not going to get to the end of your life with a bunch of regrets. We do get a little bit nostalgic this time of year, and we start reflecting on these things. And uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you know that, uh, well, I'll catch you up. I mentioned a survey that was done with a bunch of uh, senior citizens, these folks that are in their middle 90s, and they were asked this question. If you could do your life all over again, what would you change? What would you do differently? And their overwhelming response was these three things. First of all, they said, I would risk more, take more chances, would live life like an adventure. Secondly, they said, I would reflect more. I would take time to, to slow down, to, to breathe it in, to, to think about what really matters. And finally, the third thing that they said is, I would have taken more time, I would have done something with my life that would somehow live on after I was gone, to really make a difference, to really make an impact in this life. And that's great, and that's wonderful, and there's no doubt in my mind, as you're going to hear a little bit later on, that as an uh, entire Lutheran Church of Hope congregation at all of our campuses, you did that. <laughs> you took us up on that challenge, and believe me, during this campaign, you have done that. You have made a mark here in this city that will last long after any of us are here. But the danger this time of year, what I, what I think happens, I've, I've never met anyone that doesn't want to make a difference. I've never met anyone that doesn't want to say, I want to leave an impact. I want to lead a life of significance. And so we say, I want to go and I want to change the world. I want to be a world changer. But what we often forget is the kind of life that it takes to get there. Because how you live your days is how you're going to live your years. is going to impact how you live your life. So the choices and the things that we choose to spend our time on in the regular rhythm of our days is important is very important. And so in order to get to the third one, the danger is that we skip over the second one. I would have reflected more. I would have taken time to consider. And what I love about this second response is that essentially what these senior citizens are telling us with all their years of wisdom is they're saying, I would have flipped my list. I would have flipped my list. I would have taken a long, hard look long before I'm on my deathbed <laughs> I would have taken a long, hard look at my list of priorities in my life, how I rank my values, how I shuffle around the priorities in my life. I would have taken time to flip my list. And so I'll ask you that question this morning. What's on your list? What's on your list this year? Because when you think about it, we all have lists. Our lives are lists. We have to-do lists. You have lists of projects to get done. This time of year, our lists get a little bit longer because it's busy and it's the holiday season, we think, and so uh, maybe not, but if you're anything like our house, your list looks a little bit less like this and a little bit more like this, right? <laughs> and we say, whoa, it's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Therefore, it must be the busiest time of year because Christmas means we get all stressed out, right? Well, maybe not. And so in our scripture today in Luke 12, 
Jesus comes and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you as well. It's not that these things don't matter. Jesus says, I want you to get aligned with my kind of life, with the kingdom life. I want you to insert kingdom reality into every aspect of your list. Let me define it. In fact, Jesus says, why don't you just give your list to me? Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Stop trying to be a better person. Stop trying to get more done and maybe start living for the things that really matter. So Jesus comes and he says, seek first. Flip your list. Maybe it's time to take those things that are temporary, those things that are fleeting, and move them down the list. And it's time to take those things that are eternal, that are lasting, and move them up. What's on your list? And so what Jesus does is he comes to us in the scripture today in Luke 12 and he tells the disciples and he tells us, let me show you how to flip your list and it's going to make all the difference. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 12. And seriously, if you do need one, just look down on the end of the row and the person down there will hand one to you. Luke chapter 12 and we're going to start in verse 29. Often when we read scriptures like this that are somewhat familiar... I get the sense that maybe if you've been around church for a while, you've heard the phrase before, seek first the kingdom of God. It's a pretty well-known scripture. The problem is when we read scriptures that we know so well, maybe you learned them in Sunday school or Bible camp growing up, and you've heard them, we assume we know. We assume that because we've heard them, that they've taken shape and form in our lives. But that's not always the case. And so this week, I was, I was wanting to shed some new light on a familiar passage, and so I went to the message, which is a little bit different Version, and I want to start at verse 29 and uh, read this in a little bit different way. So it's going to be a little bit different than the translation you have, uh, but that's okay. So I want you to listen to Jesus' heart for you this season. Verse 29, he says this What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. So Jesus says, if you're going to flip your list, if you're going to take all those things that are important to you, and if you're going to start seeing the big picture, you've got to stop being in such a hurry all the time. You've got to stop the fuss, as it says here in verse 29. Look at the person next to you and with great big eyes, look at the person next to you and say, hey, stop fussing. Stop fussing. If you're wondering what this fussing thing is all about, we turn to our good friend, Mr. Webster. And the definition of fussing is this, and you can decide if this describes you or somebody that you might know. Fussing, an excessive display of anxious attention or activity. Needless or useless bustle. I'm sure you've never experienced that before. Never, never, never. Especially, I'm sure you don't know what I mean, those of you that happened to go shopping last week, right? Did anybody go shopping last week? Experience the madness? Okay, my wife did. Nobody else did. Okay, two people. Awesome. Um, all of you must have done something else. Um, so, if you know, uh, these are not pictures from recent, but they are pictures from different scenes of what we call Black Friday. Now, I have, I have nothing against shopping, absolutely nothing. I have nothing but uh, compassion, in, in fact, for those people, those poor souls 
that chose to get up at the crack of dawn or not to even go to bed at all, to waste away one of their few chances to sleep in on their long, relaxing Thanksgiving holiday, all to join thousands of their fellow kind-hearted shoppers, loving friends to basically tailgate outside shopping centers with no shelter, no grill, no meat for the grill, and no football game on, all in order to finally, at the stroke of midnight, storm the gates of hell and start throwing elbows against each other, all in Christian love, of course, Christian elbow throwing, and, and throwing elbows and pushing their fellow shoppers to the ground with all Christmas joy and cheer and spirit in their hearts, all in order to secure the one item this season that nobody can do without, 17 waffle makers for two ninety nine a piece. How could you not do without one of those? I have to have one. Merry Christmas, right? Nothing says Merry Christmas quite like that. Now, we're not here to steal any joy. We're not here to condemn anyone. But I do have to say, you want to know what I did last Friday? Maybe some of you did this. I slept in to 10 o'clock. Anybody else sleep in? Yes, good, awesome. Praise God for sleeping in. Um, No, I've got nothing against shopping. I've got nothing against doorbusters or last-minute deals. Jesus says, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to lay the guilt on you. I'm here to realign you. I'm here to get your life back on track. I'm here to get your list in order for you. Jesus says to you this Advent season, if you're going to fuss, can you fuss about things that matter? Can you fuss about kingdom things? Can you slow down enough, long enough? Because Jesus, I want to give you the gifts of the kingdom. But you're not going to be able to receive them if your hands are so full, consuming. Jesus says, I don't want to steal your joy. I want to give you more joy this Advent season than you've ever experienced before in your life. In fact, the story is told of John Orberg. Some of you know of him. He's a Christian author and speaker. He spoke at at Hope before. And the story is told when he was first starting out in ministry as a a pastor at a really large church, he found his list jam-packed. I mean, his list was much longer than mine. Uh, And it it was full with all the things that he thought was important. His list was jam-packed. He found his priorities all out of whack, and he found himself overwhelmed with all the demands of this high-profile job. And so he decided to get some advice, and so he went to a mentor who happens to be Dallas Willard, who some of you may have heard of as well, who's another uh, Christian author and speaker. And so he went to Dallas, and, and for a couple hours he just vented, and he talked about how much he was stressed and how he was freaking out about all the things that he had to do and all the things that he thought was important. And he just talked and he talked and he talked and he talked. And finally he got done and he looked at Dallas Willard and he says, so you're my mentor, you got to tell me what to do. What's the secret? Tell me what to do. And so after a moment, Dallas looked him in the eyes and said, there's only one thing that you need to do. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, Orberg says. No, I come to you for this great spiritual wisdom and advice. That's it? That's all there is? Doesn't, don't, don't I have to read my Bible more? There's got to be more books to read. I, there's got to be more prayers to pray. There's got to be more tip, tips and techniques. Isn't there more? And Willard says, no. No, John, not more, less. 
you have to stop being in such a hurry. Seek first the kingdom, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 31. In all these things, seek the kingdom first. Slow down and don't get in such a hurry in this life that you miss all the joy that I've put around you. And I have a feeling that in this life, when you turn to each other and you told each other, what's most important? What, what are you most thankful for this time of year? I, I have to imagine that they were not things. The most important things in this life are not things, are they? The people, the relationships. And those are often the things that we take the most for granted. Don't miss the joy this season, Jesus says, and it starts with the people closest to you. When Tiffany and I were still uh, dating in college and I was in my late teens and early 20s when I had everything figured out about relationships, um, that's not true. Um, we were dating, and uh, it was this time of year during Christmas, and uh, she loves to play the piano, as some of you know. She plays in our worship team, and she loves to worship, and she loves to sing. And, um, and so she would go into the chapel there at the college, and she would just play, usually at night, um, at the end of the day. And so um, she would go in there, and it was absolutely beautiful. And so people would st- start stopping in. They would stop in, and they would listen for a while, students and faculty, and they, and they would stop in, and they would just listen. Well, one night I found myself just really, really busy. It was a busy day, and I was running from one thing to another, probably from one meeting to another. I was fussing about all day long. And I found myself running, sprinting through the lobby of the chapel. I was coming into the, to the uh, chapel area there just to warm up for a little bit because it was cold. And I found myself running through the lobby, and all of a sudden my friend Daniel, he just reaches out, and he grabs my arm, and he says, John, what are you doing? And they said, oh, not now, Daniel. This is like the worst time to talk. I got to go. I'm really busy. This is not the time. I really need to go. I'm in a hurry. And he says, John, listen. Listen. And I go, wow. What is that? And he said, that's, that's Tiffany. She's playing. And I go, oh, Yeah. That must be why there's all those people in there and all these people standing out here in the lobby listening. He goes, yeah. And then he said something that has always stuck with me that I have remembered that has helped me flip my list. He said, yeah, it, um, John, it seems like everyone else has realized how beautiful that is except you. And then he said, I think you should get in there. I, th- I think you should get in there. John, you got to get in there. <laughs> you got to get in the game, in other words, John. You can't be in such a hurry that you miss out. Don't miss it, John. Get in the game. Get in there. You got to get in there. And I don't know where there is for you this morning. But God's saying, get in the game. Seek first, Jesus says. Don't get in such a hurry that you miss out on all the things that I'm trying to put around you, on all the blessings in your life. you got to get in the game. Maybe it's a relationship that you are called to invest in and to be the man or woman of God that he's created you to be. Maybe it's that conversation that you've been avoiding, that you've just been putting it off. Get in the game. you got to get in there, Jesus says. For you, maybe, maybe it's a wall of pride that you've built up and that's, that's limiting your ability to engage with your spouse, to engage with your kids, to engage in a relationship because you've got this wall of pride or maybe it's a wall of fear 
that's built up. Oh, what if I'm found out? Jesus says, get in the game. Step into it. Don't be in such a hurry or you're going to miss out to think I might have missed it. The beautiful music of the season. And I wonder if we also forget this time of year how beautiful the season of Christmas is. Because when everything else is stripped away, we simply find a baby. We find a baby in a manger, in a, in a feeding trough, in a barn, actually in a cave in the middle of nowhere. That's how the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords enters into our lives. But that baby didn't stay a baby. He grew to be a man and he grew to be a savior. And that savior comes to you today and he says, I want to flip your list. In fact, I don't want to just be your savior today. I want to be your Lord. We love it. We love to have Jesus be our savior. But we really don't like it when, when he steps in and he says, okay, I'm in charge now. I'm going to call the shots. Seek first the kingdom. Prioritize your life. Put kingdom stuff first. I want to be your Lord. I want to be the director. I want to call the shots in your life. Give your list to me and let me transform you from the inside out, Jesus says. Don't miss out on the people I've put around you in your life. And most importantly, most importantly, don't forget about the main thing, the only thing. And what is that? Well, two women that Jesus encounters learn that firsthand. So if you could, put your finger in Luke chapter 12 and flip back two chapters to Luke chapter 10. It's ironic that in Luke chapter 12, Jesus teaches about not fussing, about not freaking out in this life. And two chapters earlier, he encounters fussing head on. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. Martha had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that needed to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left all the work for me? Tell her to help me. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. Jesus, look at my list. Aren't there more hours in the day? Can't you tell my boss to lighten it up a little bit? Can't you tell my professor to lighten it up a little bit? I've got so much to do. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed out. And Jesus comes and he says, verse 41, Martha, Martha. Can you almost see Jesus just taking his hand and putting it on her shoulder? And she goes, Martha, Martha, or insert your name here. You are worried and upset about so many things. Martha, there's a whole lot of fussing going on in this house. Verse 42, but few things are needed, indeed only one. I've heard it said that those who truly live are those that are able to be fully present in whatever they happen to be doing at the moment. It's those that are able to be fully present with, which, with whatever person they happen to be with at that time and that they make that other person feel as if they were the most important person in the world. Are you able to be fully present in your life? 
Or are you so worried about the future, so worried about the circumstances that surround you, that you are missing out on the joy that God has put in your life right now, here, today? Seek first today. Not when your circumstances change, today. Don't miss it. I find it rather ironic that after Jesus came, after he was fully present with them, Martha is still preparing. (laughs) And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I I look at stories like this and I just want to scream and I just want to say, Martha, don't you get it? (laughs) He's already there. Martha, Jesus is right there sitting, waiting to have a relationship with you and you are preparing for him. How ironic is it that the baby whose birthday that we spend preparing months, and I mean months and months and months, like Christmas trees available in August, you know, months planning and preparing and organizing and cooking and baking and cleaning. That's the same baby that grew to be a man that looks at Martha and says, few things are needed, indeed only one. Indeed, only one. Are you missing out on the simple joy that God has put in your life this time of year? And I wonder if nothing could be truer of us this Christmas season. So please, don't hear me wrong. I want you to go shopping. (laughs) I want you to gather with family and friends. I want you to eat. I want you to drink. I want you to go to parties. Drink some eggnog, for pity's sakes. Do whatever you need to do. Enjoy the Christmas season. But don't forget the baby. Don't forget the baby because here's the thing. When everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. And sometimes our list can get so full that we end up forgetting the most important thing. And nobody knows that better than the McAllister family. Now, there was a film that came out uh, during the holidays several years ago where the McAllister family was busy making preparations for everything that they needed to do before they left on their family vacation for France. Well, they didn't know there were some burglars that were going to be coming to their house. And in the midst of all their preparations of everything that needed to be done, they forgot a pretty important thing. They forgot their son. So let's take a trip down memory lane in the hustle and bustle of the season. Let's take a look. Of course, right? Kevin! How could they possibly forget their son? Now, some of you, when you watched that, you just went back to fourth grade. You just took a little field trip back to fourth grade when you had a crush on Macaulay Culkin, and then you realized he's like 43 now, and that's kind of weird. And so, anyway, um, we laugh at that, and we say, duh, how could you forget the most important thing? How could you forget your only son? How could you forget the most important thing? But I wonder if this time of year, that's exactly what we do. We've lost the sun somewhere amidst the holiday hustle and bustle. The one thing, the one thing that Jesus speaks to Martha about, the one thing that Jesus says, seek first, is this baby who came for you this Christmas season. And he says, I want you to stop fussing and I want you to start living. In other words, seek first the kingdom. And you ask, okay, how do we do that? How do I tangibly do that in everyday life? Well, for that, flip back to Luke chapter 12. You should have your finger there. 
And again, I want to just look back quick at the message version of uh, verse 31. There's three things that I think just come to the surface here. Verse 31. Jesus says this. How do we do that? Number one, we steep ourselves in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. How do you start to take your list and flip it? How do you make your list a kingdom list? We start to live in God reality. And so instead of reaching and grabbing and consuming and trying to get everything that we can, which is largely based out of fear many times, instead of that, we steep ourselves in God reality and we say this, you know what? God is the king. He's the richest king in the world. In fact, everything is his. Everything is his. And so I don't have to reach and grab and try to get everything. Jesus says to us in verse 32, don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. What would it look like if you started seeing your salvation as less of a get-out-of-jail-free card like you get in Monopoly for your sins? Oh, I got it. I'm good. I'm saved and I'm home free. What if that wasn't salvation at all? What if salvation was this kingdom reality that Jesus says you can step into today and start living today because today matters in light of eternity. Today has an impact on eternity. Eternal life doesn't start somewhere, someday, off in the clouds. Eternal life starts right now, here, today. That's why when we pray the Lord's Prayer a little bit later on in our service and we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus says, be the answer to your own prayer. Let heaven come to earth through you. Start living in the kingdom here today. When Jesus died for you on the cross and he purchased you with his blood, that means everything that you are is his. Our lives are his. All is grace. All is grace. At the same time, in exchange for your sin, Jesus gives you eternal life. The gift of eternal life, which you're never going to be able to earn back because you can't do that. We're not good enough. We'll never be able to. So we kind of, as followers of Jesus, we live in this dual reality where nothing is ours because all is grace. And at the same time, all is ours because we're the richest people in the universe because we have the treasure of the kingdom. If God is the, if God is the richest, most loving, most compassionate, most generous king in the universe... How can we then not be the most generous people as well? And how do we do that? Well, it's that next part. How do we start living this out? Well, we get on board with a God initiative. We start to say, God, what matters to you? God, what's on your heart? God, I I want what bothers you to bother me. I want it to get under my skin. I want it to rattle me around a little bit inside. I want it to shake things up so that I don't just go through the motions of going to church every single week. I want to live. I want to live a kingdom life. So we get on board with a God initiative. God, what breaks your heart? I want that to break mine. And it's that very heart, it's that very vision right there that we've been following these last few weeks during the Building Hope for the World giving campaign. Not only here, but at all our campuses. And we've been asking the question, what would it look like to truly love the city? You know, we have that on the banner every single week that you walk under. What does that mean? And we've been saying, maybe it has something to do with this baby that came to the manger. Maybe it has something to do with a God that didn't stay in the comfort of heaven and came down and got messy. 
came down and got messy with us in our sin, in our guilt, in our shame. Came down and said, I'm not going to wait for you to come to me. I'm going to go to you. And that's the vision behind what we've been talking about, this seven-day-a-week permanent facility that we want to build here in the city of Des Moines. To say to the city, we're here. We want to live incarnationally. We want to live with you and among you. Seven days a week. What would that look like, we ask. And so we asked you to just pray about it. No guilt, no pressure, not that kind of a giving campaign. We simply asked you to pray about it. What would it look if you gave, maybe not just financially, but gave of your time, gave of your heart, gave of yourself? And so we simply ask you to pray, to, to give cheerfully, to give hilariously. <laughs> and if you don't know what hilarious giving is, just listen to the podcast from a few weeks ago. Knowing that God has given us a vision that's much bigger than any of us individually. You see, a few weeks ago, we had each of you write on these rocks. What is it that you're bringing? Maybe a financial gift, maybe a spiritual gift, maybe your time, maybe your smile, maybe a handshake or a hug. What is it that you bring to this community? And we know that by ourselves, we can make an impact in the city. We can make some ripples on our own, but not very big. We can make an impact, but wouldn't it be great if we rallied around something that was bigger than us? What would that look like? And so I realized, you know, I didn't get to make a rock a couple weeks ago, so I made one of my own. It's a little bigger. Um, rather ironic that it looks like the foundation of a building. Um, and so what we did is we took all of your combined rocks that are forming our centerpiece up here today, and most of the words we put on here. Because together, we are one. And so people contributed their smile, their joy, their volunteer time, their leadership, their encouragement, their faith, their time, being a greeter, sharing love, working hard, organization, their heart. My favorite one was cuteness. That was mine that I put in there. I'm joking. In fact, here's my favorite one of all. It was simply said this, me, colon, all in. All in. Because when we combine our efforts and we say, God, this is a much bigger vision than any of us could have ever foreseen on our own. It doesn't matter if we're in a school building. It doesn't matter if we have to set up our own chairs. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching from the half court line. God, you are so much bigger than that. And God, your dreams for this church are so much bigger. And it's because of that that there's one more thing that's actually on the bottom of this rock. $193,621. Give God praise for that. That's what you did. In fact, why don't you just stand on up and give God some praise for that? Stand on up and let's just worship God. Let's give him some praise for that. Praise God. Praise God. That is something to be thankful for. Or, okay, you can have a seat because you're not going to want to miss this. So we talked about making ripples, and we can make little ones, but uh, that's pretty incredible, folks. That's pretty incredible. That is something to be extremely, extremely thankful for. We're going to be able to move on this project way, way sooner than any of us ever thought. And you're going to be hearing much more about that 
in the year to come. But for today, let's make some ripples, shall we? So the quality control team is here. If I could get a little uh, uh, a drum roll, please, a little countdown, that would be great. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. We're going to make some ripples. All of it combined. All of it matters. Every single gift, every single aspect of it matters. You ready for this? Do your hands hurt yet? Let's make some ripples, shall we? Wow, that's a big quality control team we have today. <laughs> you got lucky. That was a much bigger splash than the first service. So <laughs> praise God for that. Wow. Awesome. Folks, I know it's going to be hard. Just look up here. Look up here. <laughs> Nothing to see. <laughs> $193,000. Praise God for that. And you know what? All of it matters. All of it matters. All the little gifts, all the things that people bring. You know the makeup of this congregation. There's a whole lot of sacrificial giving that went on. And can I just say, first of all, I'm soaking wet. Secondly, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for believing in what God is doing through this church. You are a faithful, awesome, awesome church. Praise God for that. Praise God. And um, I want to share with you one more thing. Everything's relative here, but um, there was a small uh, giving campaign that took place at our West Des Moines campus as well. And uh, you may or may not have heard this, so don't whisper it or don't spoil it yet. Um, so Pastor Mike talked to other senior pastors, and he said, you know, what, what does it look like uh, for us to do a giving campaign? He said, oh, don't do one. You'll probably get, I don't know, a million, you know, a million and a half, something like that. That would be a reasonable estimate. To get, we have a $13 million mortgage on the building in West Des Moines. And the goal is to pay that down because we pay close to $100,000 in interest every single month. And that's $100,000 every month that could be going to ministry and could be going to missions. Our goal has been as a church, this affects us, folks. We are hope. We are a part of this. This means more ministry. This means more staffing. This means more people that can be involved in the mission. Our goal is to become a 50-50 church, as Lutheran Church of Hope, where 50% of every dollar that comes in goes to missions and 50% goes to the ministry of hope. 50-50. This is unheard of. We have been laughed at by churches our size trying to do this. And so I'm really excited that this is how much was raised in West Des Moines. So praise God for that. Yeah. No, wait a minute. You guys, I think that's wrong. Man, normally Laura and Eric are really good on the computer. Something's wrong. I think there might have been a mix-up with the slide or something. Can you check? I think, I think there's something missing. There, that's the right number. Give God praise for that. That's more like it. Yeah. Holy cow, that's $12 million, folks. Praise God for that. That's something worth getting excited about, which means this is not even about money anymore. This is about being a 50-50 church. That means that three years and two days from today, Lutheran Church of Hope will be a 50-50 church. That is exciting. That is unheard of. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. And so you ask, okay, what do we do now? When we have a holy moment like this, when we're on the mountaintop, what do we do now? Well, the danger would be that, well, 
we let it go to our heads and we think, well, it's, it's all about us. <laughs> and we think, well, you know, we must have done something really good. Well, no. It always has been and it always will be about him. The song we sang this morning, not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. We start moving in the direction of a kingdom life. We start to flip our list. We start to let Jesus define what is it that's most important. And maybe, just maybe, this Advent season, things can be different for you. Grab an Advent devotional. Slow down. Take time to be with the people around you and learn the joy of giving. Learn the joy of living for something bigger than yourself. What if this Christmas season you ruthlessly eliminated hurry and you took time to consider what's the purpose of all of this? What was I created to do? What am I here for? Because you've heard it said the way that we live our days is the way that we'll live our months. And the way that we live our months is the way that we'll live our years. And then, when you're 95 and you're a part of some poll question, you can say, oh yeah, I took time to breathe it in. I lived life. I didn't fuss through life. And I learned the joy of giving because I have an intimate relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because of him and through him, I have everything. I have everything. And then I can give it away to the world around me. Flip your list this Christmas season. Flip your list. Amen? Let's stand together.